Hi there, and welcome to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Every mom has special pearls of wisdom she passes on to her kids. In this podcast, we'll be talking about those pearls of wisdom, as well as the life lessons that our moms have passed down to us. We will be sharing to keep the legacy alive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pearls from My Mom, the podcast. My name's Jesse. I'm your host, and I'm here today with Chris Baker-Dirsch of No Extra Words, the podcast. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great. Awesome. I'm super excited to talk to you today, and we're going to be sharing some things about your mom, some, some pearls of wisdom. So let's go ahead and get right into it, if you want. Um, how, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. I'm doing good. Um, it's, it's a good, it's a good phase in life. I think when you're, when you lose somebody, there are good phases in life and bad phases in life. And I think we're in a good phase of life right now. Oh, that's awesome to hear. So tell us a little bit about your relationship with your mom. Let's start off with that. Um, my mom, my mom and I were very different. Um, it's, it's funny now that she's been gone so long, I see the things that we are alike more than I did when she was around. I think as a young child, as a person, a young person, I always had this perception that my mom was my total opposite and I was more like my dad. And that's why she didn't understand me. And Mm -hmm. I have found later in life, the ways that were more similar. Um, but we had, we, we talked about this a little bit off air, even the best relationships with moms are somewhat fraught and she died when I was 16 so it was not you know prime time for anybody's mother relationship when she was gone so but she was a great my mom was a person kind of out of another time like I'm a kid of the 80s so everybody I knew had a working mom everybody I knew was a latchkey kid and my mom was home until I was 14 Oh, wow. She was this, yeah, totally. She, and I think if she could tell me this now, I think she would tell me she stayed out of work a little too long and kind of wished she had gone back sooner. She told me once that she kept looking for an opportunity to go back to work because she always intended to go back to work and one never came along because we always needed her. But she was that mom who made lunches and was everybody's room parent and baked the cookies. And she was like Miss Volunteer because she was the one who was home, right? So, and also she was really good at it. So there wasn't a single church activity that she wasn't involved in. She was everybody's Girl Scout leader. She was everybody's everything. And when she died, there were so many people at her funeral. Um, and one of the women told me, she's like, everybody at the church knew she was really involved with the scouts and everybody with the scouts knew she was involved with the church, but I don't think anybody knew how much because mm-hmm. they didn't think she had that much time because she was so involved in the other one. And so that's just the kind of person she was. She was a big presence. I'm from a not very big town and she was just kind of, everybody knew her and she was just kind of a big presence there. So she was like full on, all in on the the activities, the church, the scouts, everything like that. Yeah. I mean, she didn't quote unquote work until I was 14, but she was so busy and she did so much. And she, I found a letter she wrote years and years later to somebody um, when she finally did go back to work. And she said, I have always defined myself as a teacher and what I've been doing this whole time has been teaching. I just didn't get paid for it. So it's interesting to be back in the classroom and to put back on my teacher hat and realize I never had it off. So, oh yeah, for sure. So, and I think that's super interesting. Like my mom was, my dad was a stay at home dad and my mom was the one that worked. So um, I have like a totally different situation. Did you, I mean, it's hard. I know when you're, especially like you said, that's a kind of a tumultuous age right there, the early teens, mid teens. Um, So did you appreciate the fact that she was around? I know I'm sure you do now (laughs) looking back on it. Like, um, sometimes more than others. Um, I like, I appreciated little things that I didn't realize at the time. I remember this, this is a story that's so quintessential. My mom, uh, she baked bread once a week until I was like nine years old. Like that was a thing that she did. I I mean, I, it's, it sounds so idyllic, this childhood of mine. And it was in many ways, but she used to like, I can't remember what day of the week it was, but she used to bake bread. And so we'd have lunches on these homemade bread sandwiches. And one day she realized nobody appreciated it. And bread is like, two dollars a bag so she stopped doing it and just started buying bread and we're all like but wait but where did the good good sandwiches go it was the kind of thing (laughs) where (laughs) exactly you were so and after that baking bread became this huge treat where every now and then she would do it and it was like oh my god fresh bread but um but it was that kind of thing like I don't think we appreciated a lot of it until later kind of in retrospect but I think I probably appreciate her being around more than not. I mean, she was very, very around, but I also would have this jealousy because, because she was that person, she was that person for other people who didn't have it. So, you know, if there was a a kid in the Girl Scout troop who was struggling with 
her relationship with her mom and couldn't get rides to meetings and things like that. Like my mom would step in and kind of be that person. And I remember being very jealous a lot. Like this is my mom. Why is she spending so much time with Tessa? I don't get it kind of a thing it's not so, everybody's mom she's my mom right exactly and again that's the kind of thing that I really really appreciate now as an adult and she herself was the child of an alcoholic and so I think some of those kids really resonated with her and she you know she knew she wasn't their mom and she wasn't out to save them but she knew from her own experience that this was really really important to be a stable adult in their lives and that was something I just didn't understand at that age Mm-hmm, for sure now you said she was a teacher uh, I mean like previously before children and then she went back. So she only got to go back to work for a couple of years then. Yeah, she um, she had taught like primary school, like first and second grade. And she went back, I think I was 14. So it's a crazy story how she went back. She went back first for jury duty. She had like the worst jury duty <laughs> in the history of the world. She, she was on the federal grand jury, which is like, she used to call it a sentence. Because oh when God, you do, yeah. those, are, those are the people that indict people. So it's not like one case, it's a bunch of them. And you just hear them and hear them and hear them. So she went to Seattle, which was like an hour from my house at the time. And she didn't drive. So she went to Seattle by bus two days every other week for a year and a half. Okay. Like, and I, she started doing that when I was, I think 12 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of her, I can do this. You know, I, I can be consistently away from my family. I can whatever. And by the time she got, and it was hard to get a job while she was doing that. You know, it's the kind of thing where, yeah, you're excused from work for jury duty. But if this is a pre-existing thing, it's really hard to job hunt and say, oh, by the way, um, And so once that was finally over, I think she felt ready to go back to work. So she worked the last two years of her life. She taught preschool. Um, My mom taught preschool. My dad taught high school. So that's a really interesting dichotomy in my family. (laughs) I would imagine. She she used to go in every fall and decorate his classroom, knowing that he would like never touch it again. All his bulletin boards would stay exactly the same and all that. So she would do all that kind of teacher crafty stuff for him. That's amazing. Well, at least they were equipped for for you, you know, like they had to, they They could cover both ends. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. And do you, do you have siblings too, or? I have an older sister who is also a teacher. (laughs) So, you know. (laughs) It's a family biz. It is. She's a, she's a special ed teacher. So that's a whole different realm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm the only one in my family who's not a teacher. I'm a librarian. So I'm just that much different. But you, I mean, a librarian, that's cool too. Like, yeah, that's really cool actually. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you said, so, I mean, you don't have to tell me exactly how many years, but just give me a, a, a relative idea of how many years it's been since. 22. 22. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's a pretty long time. So. Yeah, I have definitely spent more of my life without her than with her. And in the interim, and we can talk about this or not, but my stepmother, I, we went through a whole, my dad went through a whole second marriage and my stepmother passed away a year and a half ago. So my dad has now, my dad is 77 and has now been widowed twice. Oh, wow. Which is, that's intense for him. So how is your dad doing then? Well, that's, that's also its own story. So, um, which you don't at, have, I mean, it's up to you. No, no, it's all, it's all cool. At Christmas time, a little bit after Christmas, actually, so my stepmother, my mother died very, very suddenly. My stepmother had a long drawn out illness. So mm-hmm she spent the last six weeks of her life in hospice and one year to the day after she was admitted to, ho- to hospital for the last time, my dad got super sick. So it was just after Christmas and we almost lost him as well, but he is awesome and he is a trooper and he came through with flying colors. He, you know, he's 77 and his illness definitely aged him quite a bit, but he is such a hard worker and he has told me how hard it has, how hard he has worked to come back from this. You know, when he came home from the hospital, he was with a walker and he had home health and the whole thing. And he is now, as of this moment, when we're recording this, he's in Cooperstown, New York, headed to watch one of his grandkids play in a baseball tournament at the Baseball Hall of Fame. So my dad's amazing. My dad and I are very, very close. You know, the last two years that I was in high school, it was just me and my dad. My sister, the timing of our story, just my sister graduated high school about a week before my mom died. And again, she died very, very suddenly. So nobody knew this was coming. Mm. And so my sister graduated, my mom died, we had the summer, and then my sister left for college. And so the last two years of my childhood was just me and my dad. Wow. So, so my dad and, got really close then. Yeah. My dad and I are incredibly close. My dad is a, a strained duck. He really is. Like I always say, there's exactly one person on this planet right now who understands my dad and it's me, but he, you know, he has his struggles. We just went through your listeners. I'm sure will know the minefield of birthdays and anniversaries. And so my mom's birthday and my stepmom's birthday are less than a week apart. So we just went through both of those just like a week ago. And you know, it's this, 
it's it's second birthday that my stepmother's been gone. It's the first one after my dad's illness. So he, you know, has weathered all of that kind of emotional stuff in the last week. But this trip has really gotten him through his recovery. And he said from the beginning, like from the hospital bed, he was going on this trip. So, and he, he's, he's on it. So he's awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, that's really good to hear. Now you mentioned the, both of the birthdays of your, your mom and your stepmom. Do you do anything to celebrate? Like, do you, is there a special thing that you do every year? I mean, in 22 years since your mom's been gone, like, have you established a tradition for that or? Not her birthday so much. Um, you know, it's, it's summer. And so it falls at kind of an odd time of the year. And so, Mm Sometimes I remember it more in advance than other times. A lot of times that one will just hit me all of a sudden. It's like, oh yeah, today's her birthday. Um, I used to spend like, especially Mother's Day and her birthday, I would just try to be in the woods somewhere, like just near nature, oftentimes by myself if I could. But I was also a camp counselor in college. And so, you know, taking off the 2nd of August was not always the most convenient thing in the world. So I didn't really establish a lot of ritual around her birthday. Um, I have more traditions around Christmas and things like that. But um, I think one year I made her a cake, like when I was living at home still. And I think the rest of the family found that really strange. And so I didn't do it again. <laughs> like they, they were all just like, cake, you can make your mom a cake. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. I see. So Ada, do you do astrology at all? Do you believe in astrology? vaguely like I know what everybody's signs are and I think there's definitely some some truth to that but I'm not super into it so. I'm not either but your mom was a Leo so was mine so okay that's sweet awesome strong ladies you know she was definitely that that's amazing so tell me a little bit more about like do you have a favorite memory about your mom oh. I know it's hard to pick from you know you had her for 16 years but she was <laughs> she was just such like the my memories I have of my mom are so her in her roles like it was my mom the girl scout leader my mom that you know and I have this memory of the very first time my brownie troop went camping um, and my mom so my mom was super outdoorsy and super girl scouty and my mom my dad is not at all like my dad can never go camping again and he'd be delighted so he was that was one of those things that he did for her but in scouts my mom was kind of in her element and so I remember the very first time my brownie trip went camping so we were all like six years old mm-hmm. and this is Seattle right so it poured buckets like the whole time we were gone and we were kids so we were woefully unprepared so we didn't know how to pack and my mom lined us all up and she cut garbage bags like holes in garbage bags and stuck them over our heads and those were our rain jackets and so I have this memory of these six-year-olds like tramping around in the rain. And my mom was wearing this like plastic shopping bag on her head as her hat, but she was like in her element and she was loving it. And I just have so many memories of her figuring out stuff like that and figuring out how to make things fun. Like I remember my, we had one summer where for some reason there was just no money and my parents are both teachers. So it was like, you know, incomes were always stable and we always had health insurance and we didn't suffer, but there was, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So for years we lived on one teacher's salary. Mm-hmm. So there was never like extra money. And so there was one year we didn't have any kind of vacation at all. So my mom decided we were going to discover Washington. So we went to every historic site, every museum, every fort, every, everything. And I actually just found the scrapbooks like two weeks ago in my dad's garage of all Mm -hmm. the like memories she kept of those trips and all that stuff. And so like, those are things I remember. She could just improvise things, make things up. Like she was a preschool teacher, right? So she was used to that. Mm -hmm. And so she could just figure out how to make things fun, how to make things interesting. She used to say, we're on an adventure when we would get lost on a road trip or whatever, or something would go horribly wrong. And I use that now. And my best friend has said many times, she's like, Chris, the fact that it's an adventure does not automatically make it fun. I'm like, but when I was a kid, it did. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're, it's so funny because I'm listening to you talk about your mom and, and your story. And we're like, we're the same age. And there's just so many similarities. I know this is your story, so I'm not going to bust in. But there's so many similarities between your mom and my mom. I remember she, she took my whole entire Girl Scout troop and my sister's girls. We were on different troops. And she took the, us all to see Troop Beverly Hills. Do you remember that movie? Oh, like, I love that movie. I still have the videotape somewhere and I don't think I have anything to play it on anymore. I love that movie. Yeah. And my mom like, you know, bustled us all in there and like line, <laughs> got all her popcorn and everything like that. So it's, it's, and she was outdoorsy and she was also, we would get lost and it would just be an adventure. So um, I really feel that with your, you and your mom. And that's amazing. So you went around Washington. Hey, did you, my mom lived um, in Washington for a few years outside of Spokane. It's a little farming town called Tico. I don't know that one specifically. I really close to the Idaho border. 
Okay. Eastern Washington is a place we used to drive through a lot. My dad's entire family is from Montana. So we used to do these. My mom wouldn't go. So she would send either me or my sister on an epic road trip to Montana with our dad. So every year, every other year, we would drive to Montana. And then that year that we discovered Washington, I don't think we got quite that far east. Like she really wanted us to see the east side of the mountains. Washington, for people who don't know, is like split in half by mountains. And so, but we would get to like the central part and then it would be time to head back. So. Oh, that's, well, that sounds like a really fun, fun trip. Yeah, I got to play um, Clark. I remember this vividly. We were at Fort Vancouver and they were doing a reenactment of Lewis and Clark and they picked me to be Clark and I got to wear like the buckskin and the whole thing. Oh yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think those are great memories. I mean, I I love that you have this picture of her and, you know, if you were 16 when she passed away, that had to be really hard for you, I would imagine. It, yeah. I mean, it was, like I say, and it's one of those things where because she passed away at a complicated time in our relationship, just because I was 16, um, I, I think I dealt with a lot of guilt from that for a really long time because, you know, the last things I said to her weren't so nice and our last encounters weren't so awesome. Like, I honestly remember, I'm going to be brutally honest here, I remember my last concrete memory of her is being embarrassed by her. Because the night before she died, we had like, you know, you're 16, so you've got 7 million activities and it was spring. So my softball team was having its like banquet, like it's end of the season, whatever. Mm -hmm. And she came with because, you know, it was a family thing. And for some reason, it was just her and I. And I just remember thinking, why are you here? Like, I just want to spend time with my softball team. And why are you always here? Because she was so involved in all the activities, you know, and I'm so lucky to have had these very hands-on parents, but sometimes I just wanted to be a kid whose mom had to work. So, and that was never the case. And so like, I felt guilty about that for years because it was just like, you know, this was my last concrete memory of us doing something together is me thinking in my head, why are you here? And I had to let myself off the hook finally and be like, you were 16. This is what 16 year olds do. This is what 16 year olds are designed to do is push parents away. Mm -hmm. And of course I had no idea that she would not wake up the next morning. Like that's, you know, you have no way of predicting these things. And I also know that she was 16 once and you know that's the other thing that age gives you is a perspective that adults really do remember what it's like to be that age even though you don't think they do and so giving myself some of that grace has been but yeah she she died very very suddenly she had a heart attack at 48 wow yeah so it was literally you know she woke up early in the morning and couldn't breathe very well and you know the paramedics came and she was gone by the time she got to the hospital like it was very fast Oh my gosh. That I always wonder, like my mom had cancer. And so I had like an eight month period where I knew that, that we were going to be losing her, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of had an opportunity to, to, to say everything that I had wanted to say. And my, I had my mom for 35 years. So, yeah. I had, you know, like double the length that you had yours for. Um, and so I was probably selfish with my mom until I was like 25, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I'm glad that with time and perspective, you've kind of, it seems like you've, you know, forgiven yourself or kind of let go of that guilt because I mean, certainly at 16, you can't, you can't predict, you know, and, and everybody's a bit self-centered at least until they're in their early twenties. Yeah, <laughs> I think. no, totally. And you know, there, there are like your show is Pearls of Wisdom. We're going to get to that. But one of the things I remember my mom saying not long before she died, there was another um, death in the church. And she said, you know, the family doesn't know this now, but they will be lucky to be able to remember that he lived up until the moment that he died. When people have like a health decline, they don't get that. And, um, and so that was reassuring in some ways, because even though I know she wouldn't have wanted to be gone at 48, I also know she wouldn't have wanted to have a lingering illness. And I think that was, that came directly from the experience of her own parents because her father died very, very suddenly, whereas her mother died of cancer. So it was a different experience for her. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm, I appreciate you sharing that with me. I'm sure that's not, you know, super easy. But um, so you've, you said you've been without her for 22 years. So and you, now you're, you know, you're a grown lady and you're a librarian. <laughs> and I, and I, I heard you mention at least uh, one child. You're, you said your dad's, you know, out visiting at least one child. So, so your mom never got to meet your kids. Is that something that I'm sure you think about or? Yeah, for sure. Um, I have one child. My sister has two. My dad also has, um, he is grandpa to my stepmother's grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because he's been around their entire lives. And so, um, yeah, no, that is, and I don't, I have a three-year-old, so I still haven't really figured out how to talk to him about my mom. It's hard enough to talk to him about my stepmom, who he doesn't really remember, but um, he, you know, there, there's elements of her around. He's seen a picture of himself with her. He knows that grandpa still has her car, which grandpa's going to give to us, you know, some of those kinds of things, but he doesn't really understand where she is. It's actually super cute because somebody told him she was in heaven, which is, which is good, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but then a couple of weeks later, my kid loves baseball and we went to a baseball game and someone mentioned in passing, oh, he must have been in baseball heaven. So he thinks that heaven is baseball heaven. So <laughs> he will say to me, Grandma Sandy's in baseball heaven. And it's like, no, nah, that's not really how that works. But um, so it's, I would love to be able to talk to him more about my mom and give him an understanding of who she was. He's just too little, but I don't know how, as he gets older, to give him kind of that connection to family and my nephews don't like my sister is not super connected with family or family history or anything else and it's something my older nephew who's 12 has asked about like just the history of the family and I've done a little bit of genealogy and so figuring out how to share that with him because he just doesn't have they're not close with their other grandma and so he just doesn't have that and I grew up without grandmas myself my Mm -hmm. grandmas were both gone before I was two and I had a wonderful village of people who kind of filled those gaps for me. Like we had a, a best friend's grandma who we called grandma and my great aunt basically decided she was going to be my grandma and filled in that role. But thinking about who, you know, my, my husband's parents are awesome. And so I'm, I'm really glad that my kid has a grandma and has a really good grandma, but thinking about who filled in those gaps and well, the relationship with my stepmother was complicated. Um, one of the things that brought us closer together at the end is I didn't have any hangups at all about her being grandma Sandy to my kid because oh. it's sort of like in a perfect world, my mom would be here, but she's not. And so why would I deny my child a grandma who's here and loves him, even though my relationship with her might be a little bit complicated, you know, she's around and she loves him. And, and, and so, and now that my dad is on his own, seeing that he has not just the three grandchildren but he has all eight that's really special too so you know families get layers of families get complicated but yeah it it does hurt that she will never know my kid and and I I see less with mine actually but more when my nephew was little I would see similarities between him and her and be like yeah that's that's a little tick or a mannerism or an expression that is just so your grandma and it's sad that she'll never get to see that Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, and that's kind of the one of the reasons I started pearls for my mom was because I want. I mean, I I'm terrified at the thought that to think that my kids, my my daughter was three and my son was five when she passed away. Yeah. I'm just terrified at the fact that they're not going to. And you know, I know even I don't know that my daughter doesn't remember her that much. And my son, who was really close with her, doesn't remember. He's starting to say that he's not remembering things. So that yeah. was, you know, but. It, I mean, is there anything that you do for yourself to keep her presence around you? You know, pictures or recipe books or anything like that? My favorite picture of her, um, we had, so we had two pictures of her that became really important in the months after she died. We had family pictures taken, like, so my sister had graduated from high school just like a week, week and a half before she died. So we had family pictures taken um, at that time because my grandpa was in town. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was the picture that was the family picture with her in it was what was up at the funeral and whatever. And I always hated that picture because I thought she looked terrible in that picture and she probably didn't feel good. I mean, looking back, I'm fairly certain that, you know, now that we know how heart attacks present in women and we know so much more now than we did back then. And so looking back, I'm fairly certain in the week leading up to her death, she didn't feel well and probably didn't know why. And so um, I'm sure she didn't know why. And so I hated that picture, but there was a picture that had been taken a few months before that for my uh, right around my parents wedding anniversary that's of the two of them that I love it's so her and it's so um special and so my sister gave me a five by seven of that picture as a gift for my birthday right after she died like a couple months after she died and that is what I have hanging and I have had that picture and I have taken that picture everywhere that I've been even temporarily that picture goes with me and um it now hangs in my kids room because I I don't know I wanted her in there with I have mostly like family baby pictures like I actually have her baby picture hanging in his room which is silly (laughs) because it's this picture that I had and didn't know what to do with so I have some of these and I have like a baby picture of my grandma and things like that and I put those in his room when he was little because that seemed to make sense and 
for some reason that picture needed to go in there. And I have, I have other things too. I have her recipe file and there are definitely certain recipes that I, her bread recipes, especially I go to, I can't make them like she did. I can't figure out how, but I have them (laughs) and I use them. And, um, she had an angel collection. The Christmas boxes are a big deal because Christmas was a huge, huge thing. And so Mm -hmm. I have, I have actually purged finally a few years ago. I I had this come to Jesus meeting with myself, which is like, your mother does not live in the Christmas boxes. Like it's Mm -hmm. okay to let the stuff that's not important to you go. But she had a collection of angels that I have and some of those kinds of things. Because my dad, when my dad cleaned out his house to get married again, I was 21 and so I just wasn't at a phase in my life where I could take a lot of stuff. And he saved a lot of stuff for me. But, you know, inevitably in times like that, things also get lost, get sold, get missing, get donated. And nobody's trying to take it away from you. It just happens. And so there are things I now wish, like there was a really cool library table that she used to work at that I wish I had that I don't. And there's a couple of things like that. But, you know, the things that I do have are special. And and that's nice because again, thinking about how to, um, to provide context of her for my kid. I, those are things we can talk about when we cook together and things like that. I totally hear you on your kids not remembering. Cause we went through that when my dad was sick. I remember that was a huge thing. It's like, how do I explain to my kid if grandpa's not here? And it's like, my dad is 77 and my kid is three. So the reality is I don't know how long we have my dad for hopefully another 20 years, but I don't know. And so we got to make memories with dad while we have him and they are so close and it is so fun to watch the two of them together, especially as grandpa's been getting better. Um, Cause my kid is the youngest grandkid by like a lot. So, mm-hmm. so he's the baby. He gets he yes. all, the, all the spoils. He is, he does. And he, you know, I had older, an older grandpa as well. And so my grandpa was always super, super old compared to everyone else's grandpa, but he was also super, super cool. And he would let me like just mess around with things in his shop. And cause again, I was like the much youngest. It's like, you know, we've done this a million times. Why do we care? Just play away. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I, so I was talking to my sister. I talked to my sister a lot about this and you mentioned that your sister, you know, it might be a bit more complicated or um, as far as, you know, the way that she deals with the the family and the loss and everything. So I was talking to my sister about, you know, just trying to keep the the memories alive and trying to, to make sure that, that, you know, nothing was forgotten and everything like that. And I think telling the story is really important. Telling any story about her is really important. Um, I was happy. My sister called me yesterday just to remind me one little thing that she had just like off the top of her head remembered. And so, you know, why did like, I posted this on Facebook to see if anybody wanted to tell their story and you came forward. So what, what struck you about wanting to talk about your mom? And is it something that you talk about often with anybody else? Um, I talk about them a lot and I always did. And that's something my sister never did as much. And I think I can't tell my sister has lived out of state for, you know, the better part of the last decade and a half. And so we're not as close as maybe we could dream of being. Um, and I can't tell if my sister's lack of talking about her is a way of coping with her own grief or because she doesn't want to upset other people. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister's one of those people pleaser types. And so I sometimes wonder if she doesn't talk as much just because she doesn't want to make other people sad. Um, to me from the beginning, like if we didn't talk about her, it was like, she was even more gone. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we had her stuff and we had her stories and we had her whatever, it would bring her closer. Um, and so I've always been a pretty open book about her. And, you know, she's been gone 22 years and I still will say in conversation, oh, you know, that sounds like something my mom always used to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the premise of your show a lot, the idea of this, this lasting wisdom. And I think partly because it was something I didn't feel in the early years that I had. That was something I used to like look for is mm-hmm. what is it she always said was there a thing she always said because you know you like I, I was a book nerd because I'm a librarian and so that always felt like the way that people in books cope with grief if they would say oh you know so and so always used to say and if I close my eyes I can hear her voice and I like for a long time I was like I can't think of anything and after years I realized it's not like this big moment of profound wisdom like that's not what it is at all it's just the little things she used to say all the time like the little the little things she believed in and the little idiosyncrasies that made her hurt like that's what's lasting it's not you know she wasn't 
Socrates. Like it's not a philosopher <laughs> type thing. It was just, it was just her being her. And so I liked that idea of the premise of your show. And it was, it was, you know, your show was not about how I dealt with the death of my mother. Like that was not what it was called. It was, it was called the, you know, what are some things that my, that I remember about her or some things that she used to say. And I, I liked the way that that was framed. And I, you know, like I said, I was a camp counselor for years and I very quickly became the, um, the one they would send kids to if they were dealing with dead parents. Like that became like my role in life. That was your because, thing. You were that. Right? It was like another counselor would come to me. Okay. So I have this kid and I don't know what to do with her. Her mom just died. I'm like, okay, I'll see. But it was like, I don't like, just because we are members of this same kind of awkward club doesn't mean that we necessarily completely understand each other. Cause every story is different. Every death is different. Every, and the sad, brutal reality is that everyone at some point is going to lose their parents. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just, that's the, the nature of the beast. I, hopefully not at 16. Um, hopefully not at 35, like you went through. Hopefully, you know, you're a, you're an old person by then, an older person by then, but mm -hmm. you know, that's a sad reality. And so um, I don't know. I like the idea that it's this, this way that we can all think about grief in a different way as just thinking about it as the people and what they said and who they were rather than having to dwell on the loss I guess if that makes sense oh yeah for sure no well thank you and I didn't ask you that so that, like I could get you to tell me how great my show was <laughs> <laughs> no no it's okay it's okay and <laughs> but thank I, you I'm, I'm excited well about and it. I my podcast is on a completely different topic but one of the things that they have in common is I think this medium lends itself to great storytelling and to people just being on the open mic and being able to say the things that are close to their heart in a way that it's hard to do in other places so thank you for opening this forum Oh, for sure. So I guess there, there might not be like one piece of advice is, or maybe there is one pearl of wisdom that she gave you, or maybe it's the way that she lived, but like, what's the one thing if you had to kind of wrap your mom and your mom's essence up and kind of tie it up with a bow, like what, what would be her, her greatest pearl of wisdom to you about? There's two. Cause oh. I, I started thinking about it like, and, and I, I don't think until I saw the call for you to have people come on your show, I hadn't really thought about, you know, it had been a long time since I had gone like reaching for those. And there were two that went immediately into my brain. And again, they're not like great grandiose things. I, as a parent now, I'm like, you have those days of parenting where you're like, I am awesome. And I just figured out how to explain something. And, I, and then you have your days where I'm like, what the heck? Like, did what just came out of my mouth? I shouldn't have said that. So like now that I'm a mom myself, I think I understand a little bit more about that. And I don't think probably either one, maybe the first one was one of her good days because it was, I was working my first job. So I was 16 and I had a coworker who was driving me batty, like just, you know, you know how it is. You have people who you can't get along with, but it's your first job. So you don't know that that's normal. Mm -hmm. And I was just complaining to her about this person. And I just can't even stand this person. And how do you work with people like that? And my mom was a very religious person, but I think this works even in a secular sense. Um, but she said, you know, we are told we're all made in the image of God. That's where we come from. And if that's true, then there's God in everyone. And your job is to find the God because that's where you can relate to. And that was just so profound. And I have come back to that time and time and time and time and time again. I think even if you take, you know, if you're not a religious person, even taking the religion out of it and saying, you know, there's something of beauty and truth inside all of us that makes us human. And you have to look for it to find it in some people because some people are hard to get along with. And I have I have done that with people who I've had to work for. Like I have done that with people I've had to work with, you know, but realizing that there's got to be something inside everyone and it's my job to find it was super profound. So I think that might've been a moment of hers that she, um, she probably said at the end of the day, man, I'm a good parent when I figured out how to explain that. <laughs> and then the other one is one she used to say all the time. She didn't believe in coincidences at all. She didn't think that anything was accidental. She used to call it a God incidence, which I think she got from a Bible study, but like, and I think I'm not sure if I'm as gung ho about as her about not believing in coincidences. Like she would literally, you know, if the cl traffic cleared, it's like, well, that was meant to be so I could make this left turn. I don't think that I take it to that extreme, but I do think that most things in life aren't really coincidences. Most things are opportunities that have been sort of opened up for you. Um, and not as much as we realize is accidental. And it's like I say, it took me a long time to get to the point where I realized those were pearls of wisdom that she left me that I wasn't even looking for because they had just been part of like everyday conversations that we had.
I think those are, I think those are both great. I mean, the first one definitely speaks to the type of person your mom must have been, you know, compassionate and understanding and to help, you know, a, a child try to deal with frustrations or, you know, I think that's, a, yeah. that's amazing. So you feel like those have shaped your life a little bit or as well, yeah. you just started thinking about, you know, you kind of had the epiphany or the aha moment. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they have. And I think both of them speak to an optimism. And one of the things that I have realized about her as I've gone on, you know, I always knew that she was a child of alcoholic and I always knew that her childhood was not real rosy, but, um, you know, realizing since she's been gone that she dealt with a lot and recovered from a lot and also broke a lot of cycles. Like, you know how they always say you teach how you were taught and you parent how you were parented. And I think, for my mom, that was true to a point, but I think there were also things that happened and ways that her childhood went that she intentionally worked on not having happen. And I've watched that with my father-in-law, who is also the child of an alcoholic. He does kind of the same thing. It's like, I watch him very intentionally be a different father than he had. And that doesn't mean he doesn't love his father. And that doesn't mean that, you know, he's upset about every single moment of his childhood, but working hard to make things better. And I think that was very very true of my mom in her parenting and in her life and since I am a genealogy nerd and I've gotten into like kind of family history I've realized in talking to my aunt and other things there's a whole branch of my mom's family that are very very negative people my aunt kind of gets that a little bit too like they just they never really are good at seeing the positive they're very big complainers they're very and they can be very hard to be around and that's not my mom at all I think she you know, those two pieces of wisdom that I just shared to speak to her, this was the person who really, really tried to see the positive in life, even when life was pretty hard. And that's something that I have really tried to do is, you know, you don't have a choice about things that are hard, but you do have a choice about how you deal with it. And you can wallow in things that are upsetting or you can move on. And even my dad, when he got sick, said the same thing. He said, you know, I could sit at home and wallow, or I could figure out how to get moving again and get better. And one thing I was not going to do was sit around. I think that's awesome. I think that's, that's one of my mom's favorite, my, my favorite piece of my mom's advice was you take, you take the best and you leave the rest. And it's kind yeah. of that same mindset that you were talking about. I so, like that. Well, and that's something that you can pass on, you know, all those, those pieces of wisdom you can definitely pass on to your son. So that's a yeah. little piece of your mom and him, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, Real quick here, I know I don't want to make you the camp counselor that everybody has to go to. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, you did go through something when you were 16 that was incredibly difficult. So do you have, I mean, whether somebody's listening to this and they're 16 or they're 60, I mean, do you have anything that helped you through the, the grieving process or, you know, any piece of advice, any pearls of wisdom from yourself to anybody going through it? I don't know that this is going to be helpful or not, but it is true what they say, the time heals. Like it doesn't, nothing will ever make it go away ever. And, you know, I had to deal with that too. Like there will never be a time where it was okay that this happened or there will never be a time when, you know, this didn't happen and it's gone away. Like that's not true, but there will be a time where the bitterness kind of goes away and you're left with some sweeter memories and some happier thoughts, you know, there. And losing somebody early, I think, shapes your whole life. Like, you know, obviously, if I could have her back, I would without thinking about it. But that's really hard to even conceptualize now because my entire life since then has been shaped by this. It just it affects who you are. It affects how you react to life. It makes you a stronger person, I think. Um, my biggest metaphor around grief is I think grief is like breathing. Like, it's always with you you're always doing it. It's always part of you, but most of the time you don't notice. Like most of the time it's just, you know, you're breathing in and out and you'll, you know, you're surviving and that's awesome. And then every now and then you'll have like an asthma attack or, you know, a face full of smoke where it just gets hard for a minute. And, you know, it just, it's, it's a struggle for a little bit, a little season of life, but it goes away and it will, it will fade back into the background. Um, that's just how it goes. And I think, um, reaching out to people can be super helpful sometimes. Um, when I was in college, I found on a discount book rack, the, um, the letters from motherless daughters, the book motherless daughters, I think is a, is a classic for anyone who's been through this. It's probably well worth the, the look at, but, um, before I found that book, I actually found the sequel, which was a compilation of the letters this author had received from women who had read the book and she divided it by, um, how long since the loss. So, like there was like the immediate first year and then, you know, over time as, as you get on in life, um, 
the letters kind of got longer and more reflective. And that was really a great read for me because it made me feel less alone. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think there is an instinct and I, I think it's become less so in, in the culture as we understand grief better, but there is an instinct that some people will tell you to, to push it away and to put things away and, you know, and to kind of shut all that off and, and pack it away and not think about it and not deal with it. And that's the polar opposite of what has helped me. Like, I needed to have her things around me and I needed to be able to talk about the things that she had said. And I needed to be able to laugh at the ridiculous, like I remember this, this is going to sound nuts, but on the morning she died. So, you know, people start to hear this has happened and all of a sudden your house is full of people. Mm -hmm. And in the first, you know, eventually the ladies of the church came and basically took over our kitchen. But in those first hours, like my sister and I were trying to figure out, we didn't know how to make coffee because my parents didn't drink coffee. So like a coffee maker existed in the house, but we didn't know how to, you know, we were teenagers. We didn't know how to work it. And so like, I can remember just standing in the kitchen, just laughing with my sister about what part goes where and what, and it was like, should we be laughing right now? Like, is that okay? Am I allowed to, in, in, in the weeks that would follow, like we would, we would laugh at just ridiculous. Like I remember she used to keep, so this is how organized my mom is. She used to keep a box in the top of her closet that had like birthday presents in it. So if somebody got invited to a birthday party, she could just reach in and say, Hey, here's a thing, wrap it and go. <laughs> my mom does that too. <laughs> right? Never and as a mom, I'm like, Oh my God, I still got to get a box. But, um, <laughs> but we went through it. Or I went through it. I found it. Um, like a week and a half before Christmas and she had put like stuff in it like Christmas presents for us and it was pretty easy to tell who they were for Mm -hmm. um and but it was like not only has she done that but she had put this is so ridiculous um she had a particular kind of measuring cup that this is how much of a baker my mom was she had a particular kind of a measuring cup that she used to measure like things like peanut butter and shortening and things that are like that consistency oh yeah for sure um you know and it's it's designed where you fill it up and then you push it out to make it easier to deal with that's anyway this thing and she had two of them in the box of christmas presents and i have no idea if she was saving them for someone else or what but i gave one to my sister and i took one for myself and we were like teenagers at the time and it was like you don't need these but i had in my head like maybe she bought them for us and i could just see that being something ridiculous that my mom would have done like oh my tax the adult someday i should get two of them and this is before amazon like you know whatever and so just the ridiculousness of all the quirks that made her her and being able to laugh at them and i still 22 years later use the stupid measuring cup every time i measure yes, peanut butter in my kitchen because it works so well and so like all of the little ridiculous moments i talked to her like it's sad that she can't argue with me anymore because i want to like sort of argue with her like mom seriously and she can't <laughs> argue with me anymore but i will i will say it like out loud to her and it's so interesting because my family has been through an entire other loss since then like you know we like I say, my relationship with my stepmother was more complicated, which I think was just bound to happen just because of the circumstances of family. And that was a relationship that started out awkward and that we got better and better at. And I think finally repaired before she died. But, um, I watched my dad and my dad kind of has to put marriage number one on the back burner a little bit. Like he, you know, he will talk about my mom's birthday and he will mention my mom, but that's not kind of what's forefront in his mind, especially now, like, you know, and it's been a long time. And I think that used to be mad but I feel like I understand now that's just like a self-preservation, like just to keep himself functioning. He had to be kind of like, I had this marriage that was over. She is gone. We will always miss her, but let's put that over there so we can focus on the family that we have now. And now that he's grieving his second wife, you know, he has to kind of focus on doing that work. And even though it kind of gets muddled sometimes, but it's like being forgiving about moments like that, where, you know, especially this week, we just went through of birthdays where we can talk about both of them and it all gets all mixed up and convoluted and crazy. Um, mixed up and convoluted and crazy is how grief goes. You just have to kind of let it ride. That was a really long answer to a really short question. <laughs> I loved it though. I think it was, I mean, I, I feel like if other people are listening there, you know, cause that's how your brain is so jumbled. You see that grief curve or whatever they call it. And it's not like that. Like everybody knows that's gone through a major loss. It's not, it's like roller coaster, and then it's like twisty and then it goes back and then it goes forward and then it goes up and down. And so I think yeah. 
I think that was a, a totally perfect answer. So, and your brain will protect you. Like there will, ha- they will have moments, especially early on, where your brain will say, oh, "We can't deal with this right now. Like we're just gonna close off and move on, so we can deal with the things we have to deal with, and then we can get back to that." Because, you know, otherwise you just you're lost. You know, you're just in this rabbit hole for so long. And mm-hmm. so, um, I don't know. I, but time like uh, i keep coming back to time is what will help sort of wash brush away those sharp edges and make it less painful that doesn't mean i don't cry that doesn't mean i don't sit and wallow sometimes 22 years later but it's not the same as it was at the beginning no well that's good to know i mean i'm only two years out and so you know it's good to know that that it you know gets better so i guess just one last question for you is there anything i mean you lost her abruptly so you like you said your last memory of her you had a lot of guilt for you didn't feel great about it is there anything that you wish that you could like tie it up in a bow with her and just like say or or do you say that is there something you don't have to tell me what it is but you or you can whatever whatever you want but you know have you done that have you written her that letter have you have you tied that up in that bow no well this is where we get all like the part of the Carthage that my family doesn't like to hear because it gets all like into the mystical and the beyond and the whatever but all I can tell you is what I experienced um a couple of weeks after she died not super long after she died i had this dream that was so so real you know you have those dreams that are just you feel like you're there Mm -hmm. and we were sitting at the table just talking her and i and it was it was so weird it was so like i don't know um i asked her how things were going and she said, and I will never forget this. She said, well, I miss everybody, but I'm less busy now because, you know, I don't have all the Girl Scout work to do. So it's kind of relaxing. Like, <laughs> that's literally what she said. And we just kind of had this, it wasn't a long conversation, but it was just a, you know, a check-in around the table like we would do. And um, I remember waking up and just feeling so at peace in that moment. And um at the time, I thought it would happen again. At the time, I thought, oh, maybe I get to dream about her sometimes and that will be like, comforting. And that's not true. Like that was a one-time kind of thing. And I think, again, your brain protects you and doesn't let you stay in a certain place for very long because it knows it's not healthy for you to be there. And so, you know, like I say, she was a very religious person. Um, I am less so, but not a religious. Um, and so... I, I sort of always thought of it as her stopping by on her way to wherever she was going just to tell me she was okay and that it was okay. Um, and I never got to have that again. And I used to wish for it. Like I used to like lay in bed and beg for it. Please, can I dream about her tonight? Mm-hmm. Um, and I only had that experience one other time in my life and it was while I was delivering my son. Like, and she didn't talk so much, but it was the same kind of thing. It was like a dream, except it was very, very real. Because, you know, anybody who's been through labor, you kind of have, um, I went unmedicated for, it's a long story. But um, you kind of, as you progresses, you sort of go deeper and deeper into yourself and you really can't tell what's going on outside in the realm of the world because you can't focus on that. Mm-hmm. And so when I was kind of in those moments of like at the end, like pushing him out, I remember really vaguely what a couple of people that were right next to my ear were saying about needing to push and about you're doing a good job. But what I really remember, she didn't say anything, but I remember like feeling like she was standing there and um, now I'm going to cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't, I don't know enough about my own religion and spirituality to know what that is or what that means. Mm-hmm. But I do know that it was real and it was my experience and it's the only, the only thing I can do is describe it and tell you how it was. And, um, you know, and I know now that it's not going to happen regularly, you know, at 16, when I got that first dream of her, I knew, I felt like that was going to be a thing that we would get to chat and I didn't get to have that really ever again. Um, and so I know now that this may not ever happen again, but, and I, you know, I, I have lost track of even what the question is now, but <laughs> just anything um, that you wish you could say, but I think, I mean, but yeah, so I never really got those closure moments, but I think I got some indication that she's not completely gone. And mm-hmm. so it's okay. And we're able to move on and I don't have to get stuck in feeling bad about anything that I did or said, or like, I guess that's the answer to your question. I think that's amazing. I'm so happy that you talked about, you know, the dream that you had and that, that you know, that you felt her presence You do, during like the literally most important time of your life when you're, right. when you're in labor with your son. So I think that's, 
super powerful. So I guess that's, that's where we're going to leave all the, all of that stuff. Um, I super loved talking to you, Chris. Like, I feel like I could talk to you all day long, uh, but I get well, to thanks learn. for letting me come on. I, it's, it's fun to get to share stories of, of life. So yeah, no, that was amazing. You're super, I feel like our mom would have been, our moms would have been friends. My mom was a baker too, you know, like, like awesome. And she, she had a teaching background as well. So I feel like they would have been good friends. I feel like we, you know, if we lived closer to each other, we'd be good friends. So awesome. I super loved this chat. Um, but now really quick, I just want you to give you a chance to talk about your podcast. Um, your No Extra Words. All right. No Extra Words is a short fiction podcast that I started when I was a mom of a very young child as a way of sort of getting a voice out into the world and getting to have a creative project. So we share little bite-sized pieces of fiction of all kinds and all topics for busy people who don't have a lot of time to sit down and read or anything like that. So most of the stories are five to seven minutes long. We do a couple of them per episode and um, they all revolve around different themes and it's just no extra words wordpress.com so i hope you'll have a a listen take a look and see and yeah i i I, it's been super fun chatting with you too i've enjoyed um the conversation like i say i think podcasting is a really cool medium in which to be able to tell stories and i think you opening up this venue for people to talk is awesome and yeah no i think our moms would totally be be friends my mom could make friends with just about anybody but she loved people with whom she could talk about food and scouts and fun stuff yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. So no extra words. You can check that out. I'm sure on like wherever you, wherever, yeah, wherever you get podcasts, we're on YouTube and Spotify, all those places. So I love that by the way, my husband is the kind of person that like he, he buys like the whole Lord of the Rings series books and reads them all. And then he, but he just bought like, what's that thing that, Oh, Game of Thrones. Sorry. I'm not, I'm like the only person in the world that doesn't watch Game of Thrones. No, you're not. <laughs> but my husband like bought those books. And so he's like reading through those and like me, I, I would love to be that kind of person, but I can't. So I, I need like short bite-sized fiction that I can like digest. And then, you know, I get, and I get too invested with characters. I'm one of those people that like, once I read like the great Gatsby, I'm like all about, you know, <laughs> that world for like a week and I can't, you know, I can't get over yeah, it. Yeah, no, totally. All right. So check out no extra words from Chris and Chris, thank you so much. I, I can't wait to, uh, to put this out there. I know that there, people are going to have really, really great things to say. And I'm sure that people that are, you know, going through the same thing are going to be able to take away some really awesome little tidbits from you. I hope so. And thank, again, thanks again for having me. And honestly, if anybody wants to chat, like my email address is on my website, just reach out. And you know, it's, I, I got experience early, but I honestly don't mind being the person who's like, Hey, can I talk to you about how, you know, I'm going through this thing where my mom died? It's, it's cool. I'm, I'm willing to do that. No problem. You're still camp counseling after uh, cool. all these years. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. Chris, well, you have a, a super fab day and uh, hopefully you. we'll talk again at some point. Yeah. Let's keep in touch. Thank you so much for listening to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. I enjoyed chatting with Chris and would love for you to check out her podcast, No Extra Words. A great episode to get you going is episode 28, Fresh Start. It's an excellent listen. As always, if you enjoyed our episode today, there are many ways to support the podcast. Hit subscribe, share with your friends, and leave that five-star review. And if you're feeling particularly generous, head on over to our Patreon page where you can pledge a few dollars and earn some awesome rewards. For questions, comments, suggestions, or if you want to tell your own story, my email is share at pearlsfrommymom.com. This is Jessica Hott, your host, and until next time, keep on sharing to keep the legacy alive.